0: Hey contractors, welcome back to another episode of The Contractor's Playbook. This is Isaac Moore, the producer of this podcast, on behalf of Michael Gogan and myself. And for the second uh, week in a row, we're going to do a talk about it episode as we take a little bit of a hiatus from our normal episodes here. Um, But like we talked about the last time, these are kind of a, a summer series we do every year to gather up folks in the industry, talk about uh, a theme every summer and this year's theme is kind of a, a retrospective of 2020 what people learn from it in the industry and how we can kind of utilize that going forward and help our businesses get better so this week we have john bros from ugly roof i uh, hope you enjoy this conversation that he has with michael gogan so sit back and enjoy
1: What's up, everyone? Welcome back, episode four, season four. My dear friend, John Bros, Ugly Roof. Uh, John, thanks so much for jumping in with us today.
2: Yeah, man. Excited, dude. Lucky four, Sean. Yeah, so season we. Four.
1: Yeah, double four, season four, episode four. Um, I love talking about it. This is my favorite piece of content that we create. And I think this is going to be a good episode because. You and I can talk for hours, and we've got 25 minutes to get everything in. So uh, let's fire it up with kind of a recap of of 2020. And it's been an interesting year for a lot of people. Uh, but for business owners, I think that we've really seen the the cream of the crop rise to the top in 2020. And the strategic thinkers and the innovators, we've really seen them take a step forward in 2020 with all the d- different things that we had to face. Um, for you, 2020 has been filled with different things, Ugly Roof being one of them. Um, get, just tell me a little bit about what you've been busy doing in 2020, and then we'll kind of dive from there.
2: So 2020 was a challenging year, right? I mean, with uh, COVID jumping in there, the, the beauty for us, we, we were already mobile, like we were mobile ready. Um, you know, we, we already been paperless as far as a contractor goes for a while. Um didn't really need an office. So I mean our office is still there, the the warehouse is there. But yes, yeah, so, I mean most of my people actually work abroad. So I got people in high Kentucky, Florida, Pennsylvania, West West Virginia. So our whole process was already ready and built with that. So um but uh twenty twenty was kind of a um roll over year, right? So we we uh, gained some in uh, in business and then we started up Ugly Roof as well as a, as a subsidiary to the business that we're doing now on the roofing side and just been growing ever since with it, man. man. It's been fun.
1: Absolutely. Well, for those that might not know, tell me just a little bit about Ugly Roof because Ugly Roof isn't just, uh, you know, you're kind of in the call it the Ohio Valley area there, the Pennsylvania, West Virginia. Um, Ugly Roof is a nationwide company. Tell me a little bit about Ugly Roof, and then I've got some questions as to you know, kind of what led you down that path.
2: Yeah, so um, we had got some back history. I had a roof clean company for years, sold it, um, got got back on track. Um, we, We wanted to have another product offering. So we started about two years ago getting back into looking at roof cleaning and other products and the thing that we we found with just roof cleaning alone actually damages the the shingles more and um so i didn't want to just go that route only so we so we came up with our own i mean our own uh, pattern basically of refresh repair restore so refreshing is cleaning the roof repairs doing all the repairs and then to restore the roof is putting all the the soy meth through the oil back into the shingle to make it more pliable and flexible again um, so we're just locally and in Florida because we've got some locations in Florida and then we just have a high demand with a bunch of people saying hey what are you guys doing we want in and so we turn it into a dealership as well so we've been working hard on that the past six to eight months
1: yeah so and I think it's a great concept and I think it's really interesting um we've kind of started, and I think 2020 was great for this, but this new age of contractors helping contractors you know i've I've heard the the buzzword or the keywords of roofers helping roofers out there, but yeah. just big picture contractors helping contractors, contractors not being so worried about the guy in their backyard um I think of, of both of our friend, Benny Fisher, he's in your backyard and you guys are, you know, you don't have that old day of, well, that's my competition. I can't talk to him. Like that's, it's moving the industry forward. Is that kind of the goal that you had with ugly roof? Because that's, I mean, that's a unique concept of saying like, Hey, we're a roofer. We also have this, you know, ugly roof uh, concept. And we're going to turn that into a nationwide dealership. Helping the roofers across the
2: country is that
1: is that kind of along those same lines of roofers helping roofers?
2: Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I mean, it it, it came to so, so when we're in the home, right? You know, talking to the homeowners and you know looking at roofs, like most seventy percent of the time. The roof probably does need need to be replaced, right? But there's this 30 to 40 percent of the time where it doesn't need to be replaced. It might have one tab it's missing, it might have a leaky chimney, and the roof is 10 to 15 years old, but it's lost flexibility and it's not, you know, it's not sealed down anymore. So this became a product that you know that's affordable to the homeowner to maintenance the roof, to you know, extend the life of the roof, roof as well with it. But yeah, I mean that's that's the main goal with this is the whole process of what we do with, with our business model is is actually come in and help like build out the trailers, deliver it, train it. But there's also more than that too, where where I've got the the consulting side that that's just bred in me. You know, we help with the sales presentations, the actual sales process. Actually, you know, just jump in there and like help these guys understand how to pivot from, hey, listen, this could be a rejuvenation or this could, could be a new roof. Um, learn how, how to qualify that. The cool part that we found with our sales team, you know, I mean, we've always been decent closers, you know, high 30s, you know, lower 40s with everything. But this past year, we're in, we're like 48 to 52% in close rates because my guys now have a product. The homeowner sees it as more of an honest offering because if I can either do the $40,000 roof or I can do a $4,000 rejuve, Right. Either way, everybody in the middle doesn't look as attractive anymore because we we gave you an honest option and an honest inspection and actually break the whole process down. So that's what we like to do is to bring this to the roofing contractors out there and help them with the current road repairs that they're doing and it's just more of an add-on product, if I mean, if you will, with it.
1: Yeah. Well I to me what you're doing what would always intrigued me with Ugly Roof is I'm a big believer in building relationships. I think, you know, I I use the word all the time, but it's it's so important in the contracting world that you can either develop customers and chase customers, or you can build out relationships and you can have clients. And essentially what you're doing is taking that concept of having clients to another level with ugly roof because we can either do your roof today um, or we can have you be our client and we can, you know, do the ugly roof uh, rejuvenation, but then we can continually keep you on our radar. So that in five years, seven years, three years, whatever it is, we're now redoing your roof. And like, we don't even have to talk roofing. This is for any of the verticals out there, you know, HVAC, get them on a, a, you know, maintenance program where or you are at where i'm at we've got an ac fired up sometime you know early spring and we've got the furnace kicking in sometime there mid-fall make sure that you're doing something to provide value for the for the client to that way when they do need a new unit you're the one that just handles that you don't have to worry about them shopping around is that is that something you're big on with ugly roof is building out the client where it's like hey we are their roofing contractor. We're always going to be their roofing contractor as opposed to, well, hopefully I get a customer today and I'll try to chase another customer tomorrow type of thing.
2: So, so there's two sides to that concept too, but, uh, First thing is with what we do is we want to go to the roofing contractor specifically because they have the name, the brand that's in that market, right? So it doesn't need to be our our name and brand. It's our process, it's our product, it's our stuff. But at the end of the day, you know, I want Bob's roofing to be the forefront of, of the conversation, because that's who has all the trust. Um, you know, I mean, Ugly Roof just becomes a product and an ad set at that point. Um, when you think about customer re- retention, so for us, What this did was when you look at the long haul in roofing, right? So it's typically it's one and done unless you're in a high hail market where you do it every seven years. Like that's what the average is in those high hail markets. But in the rest of the world, you know, you're one and done as a company. And then what else can you offer that customer? So when you look at the profitability of it, plus doing the right thing to the customer. We look at this as the customer retention tool, but it's also a long-term customer value as well. So, it's not just a $15,000 roof and let's say that you make 10% on it, right? And you're making 1500 bucks this one time. With this process, you can make that 1000 to 1500 bucks three times. You know what I mean? Because you can stand it 5 years, 10 years, 15 years. So, it just depends on the market and the and the roof and the age of the roof that you're looking at, but you know, so when you look at that too, it's like the lifetime customer value changes for that roofing contractor. It's, and plus, that you're giving them a, I'll, I'll use the word low cost option, right? It's not a cheap option; it's a low cost option that you can give them five more years of flexibility. You can go in there and, you know, all the flashings or reflash the chimney, whatever needs to happen, to where you capture that customer. They're happy now. So, so guess what? Windstorm does pop in. Hail, Hailstorm hits in six years. Who are they going to call? They're going to call the guy that 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 took care of them on the front end with a low cost option instead of just selling them a roof that they really didn't need at that moment.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think, I don't know if you would agree with this, but that same concept can be applied. It's, it's looks different, but I don't care what area of contracting or home services you're in. That same concept can be replicated, whether it's lawn landscaping pool, you know, any of those things like finding out what that that process looks like in your vertical but building that rapport and building that relationship is the key to you know long long-term viability for your company is, th- is that something you would agree with yeah 100
2: i mean when you look at other industries i mean it's all the contracting industry but if you look at the heating air guys that just like you said um i had a short stint you know Basically, as a contract to help a um, an HVAC company get their sales up off the ground, but the thing that we did there was it became add-on sales that you could do. You know, it's you know you you sell them a certain type of filter, and guess what? You you call them every six six months, and you drop it off. You know what I mean? So, so you can have these these types of things, whether whether it's you're trying to do some HRVs or whatever it is to, to, to do the right thing inside that home for the homeowner. But, but there's add-on sales that you can go with that. But at the end of the day, too, you're taking care of the, uh, of the customer. So I think that is across the board, whether it's plumbing, whether it's whatever, like just being able to get them something of value, you know, now that way when there is some, something major that that they need you're the first person they call so it's getting in front of them i mean i we've talked with yeah. you know a bunch of guys like you know like i have a conversation with with david dope all the time about intimacy right so we talk about like you got to be in front of this person 4000 times before they know who you are well it's it's 7 to 10 times right so when you think about that this is just one another intimate moment that they remember you by you know, customers don't remember. They, I mean, most of the time, they don't re, re, remember the shingle you put on there, the name of the color, the the name of your company. A lot of times, but they remember how that you made them feel, and that's the most important part of that mm-hmm. is how you made them feel, and this whole process helps helps them get to a better place, you know, of of trust and comfort. So,
1: yeah, and I, that's the key word right there is building that trust. You know, you build that trust. They they just know, hey, this is the company that's going to take care of my insert whatever home service needs that you're fulfilling. Right. You know, they take care of my roofing needs. They take care of my heating needs, my pool, my landscape, whatever it is. You build that trust. And, you know, the I love the 7 to 10 number, John, because while I know the studies say you got to be out in front of them 7 to 10 times before it finding those ways to make the one or two interactions very memorable, that can kick out some of those extra, you know, three, four, five, six, seven times. Exactly. Like, you know, I did such a great job that one interaction that maybe that's worth three or four times what a normal interaction would be worth. So let's take a quick break here, John. I want to jump back. Um, I've had some great conversations with you and the – uh the world of selling and like how you present things to homeowners. So I want to dive into that a little bit. So let's take a quick break and okay. we'll be right back with John Bros and Ugly Roof. Awesome.
2: I'm I'm good at
1: it. <laughs> yeah, I will too. Um, huh?
2: I'll
1: probably come back. Uh I think it was a James Hardy event where we were at the bar and yeah. old Jeffrey and crew they were out just drinking and you and i were on the back of a napkin and we were just talking about sales and presentations and just op i, I want yeah, to get sure. to options and i just want to yep you know and so we'll i'll, I'll steer the ship where we want to go but i just think we can have client. some good dialogue because i think yep yep yeah exactly and that's like i think you can articulate it really well that these these viewers will enjoy it so good, man. charlie we good <clears throat> you ready
2: to go John? I'm ready baby. Let's do this.
1: What's up guys? Back here, John Bros ugly roof. Uh John when we when we went to break, you know, we were talking about building that trust and rapport uh with clients, customers. Um yeah. Maybe we got the cart a little ahead of the horse. Uh because you know when I think about it, some of the best conversations I have of memory with you one one that really sticks out as we were out in california for uh, a james hardy event and while everyone else was enjoying themselves and having a good time i remember you and i were on the back of bar napkins writing out things and talking through that that sales process and and being in the home and um and not necessarily physically in the home but being in front of that potential customer and helping lead them um Tell me a little bit about your, your approach to, you know, solving problems. I don't even want to call it sales. Solving problems for homeowners and helping them realize that they have a problem that needs to be solved.
2: Yeah, so, I mean, there's a lot of areas here that we can go, but I'll just try to be as concise a clear path as possible for you. The main thing that I teach my my guys about and other clients is it's all about empathy. Um, it's true empathy. And to build empathy, you got to ask questions. So from beginning to the time that you give a price, I would say that a good salesman, not a great one, a good a good one should ask a minimum of 50 questions. You know, um, things like, you know, just, you know, things that you wouldn't normally think would lead into other, other items, you know. Um, and then that's the whole process, right, is, is asking the right questions, asking deeper, going further into it. You know, so like if, 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 if they say that, well, hey, I'm, you know, I plan on getting three estimates and, uh, you know, we appreciate you coming out, but, you know, just want to lay it up front we're going to get three estimates. Oh, man, that's great, man. You should always do that. What, is that, what does that process look like, right? Are you going to grab all three of them, put them on a wall and throw, and throw darts at it? Like, how do you make your decision? And just keep asking questions further and further because the more questions that you ask without giving answers, people feel like they're being heard. Right. And and but honestly, that you are trying to hear what they're saying so that you know how to help them guide them down the path that you want them to go down to make them feel more more comfortable based on their answers to your questions that you've asked. So I, I think that's the key to anything in sales is, is asking the right questions and being genuine about the questions, um, building that rapport naturally. You know, like when you walk up there, I mean, you can see that they got a Steelers flag. You know, I'm going to talk about, hey, is Big Ben going to do good this year? I mean, what do you got to think? Like, you've got to have that natural rapport building, but it's really asking them questions. And people like to hear themselves talk. So when you ask questions, they'll talk. They'll tell you everything you need to know.
1: This episode of The Contractor's Playbook is brought to you by CompanyCam. CompanyCam makes it easier than ever to communicate with your crew, document your jobs, and keep homeowners happy. The best part? It's now free for small teams. Check it out at companycam.com or in the Google Play or Apple App Store. Yeah. Well, and I'm a big believer that the person that... This might sound backwards, but the person asking the questions is truly the one in control of the conversation and from that interaction if you get to where they're asking you a ton of questions now you're just kind of on your heels the whole time right. and so if you're asking questions and you're asking the right questions and then you know piling on those questions you control the conversation you get all the answers that you need um you mentioned the three estimates thing and I, that's an interesting one to me because I'm a homeowner I'm not a contractor john right. and I, when I say I need three estimates, I know what that means. Right. I'm trying to think in the back of my mind, do I really need to get this done? Or maybe how in the world am I going to pay for this? It's rarely that I truly need to figure out, is this the right company for me? It's something else. Do you right. find that asking the right questions can usually expose that true concern? Cause I'm not going to come to you and say, John, I don't think I can afford to get my roof done. Right. I, nobody wants to do that, but maybe that is the root of my needing three estimates. I've already sold on you doing a great job. I trust you to do that. But I'm saying to myself, how on earth am I going to figure out how to pay for this? Do you do you find that asking the right questions helps you uncover the true hesitations that c- homeowners have? Oh yeah,
2: absolutely. I mean, we do this um, every shingle day—no pun intended. I mean, we trademark that, but but yeah, we we do it that way fun. But uh, so like, just in the beginning, asking stuff like, have you set a budget aside? You know, is there a certain is is has anybody brought you through the roofing process? That's probably my favorite question I ask. Not that I want to know who's been there, what they've done, but people will just tell you. But it's more of what have they learned, right? You know, have they learned about a certain product, a certain this, a certain that? Like, have, you know, well, I went on, on the Google sites and found this, this, and that, and this is what I've learned. It's like, so you start asking the right questions, but back to what you're talking about. When, whatever comes down to, you know, okay, so so break it down this way. When you wake up the with this morning... Mike, and, and, and you see that you got a leak in your roof. You did not wake up and say, Man, I want to get a new, a new roof today. Nobody has woken up in their life and said, You know what? I don't like black anymore. I, I want to go with gray. Right? N- nobody does that. That's just not what our industry is. Our industry is m- more of a response industry. Um, so we have to be honest when we're out there, do a proper inspection, in the attic, the roof, all that stuff there, so we can lead them to make the right decision. Um, you know, at the end of the day, the salesman is not the hero or the mentor, the homeowner is the hero and the villain is the guy that's up on the roof or the, or the leaky roof and whatever. But a lot of times you got to lead them down the correct path of, of you know, when you call me out, you want to be able to repair this, right? Because you've got a because you've got to nail in the tire, and you think a week, a week, you just plug it and be done. But but then you go down to National Tire and Battery, and they and the nail's in the sidewall, and they say, "I'm sorry, but you got to buy a new tire, right?" It's, it's so it's the same thing. It's all about education. It's all about showing the customer about what it is to help them down that emotional path. Because emotionally, you don't want a new, new roof typically, and that's why that you start giving out price objections. Right. And so when me as a salesman, me as a company, I'm not doing a good enough enough job of building that empathy and showing you why that you need the roof. Right. You know, showing what the true urgency is. That's when it becomes, well, I can get it cheaper because I have no value in anything that, that I've done. So.
1: Yeah. And I th- so you hit on a lot of key things there Sorry. because yeah nobody wants to, no nobody gets up in the morning and like you said says I want a new roof but at the end of the day anybody that has anything of value to them underneath of that roof whether it be physical tangible things or you know in most people cases loved ones they want them to be dry and safe and under a good roof and so like you said asking those right questions I love the question of how much do you know about the roofing process? Because frankly, if you came to me four years ago, five years ago before I started working at company cam, I would have said, John, I know absolutely nothing about the roofing process, but I assume it's not going to be cheap to get it fixed. Like that's that's about the extent of my knowledge right. was, well, I don't want anything bad to happen to my roof because it's not, ex- it's not cheap to fix it. Um, and I think asking that question helps you get to the mindset of, well they don't know much let me help make sure that they do understand why i'd need a roof that you know sheds water and doesn't leak and those kind of things and the big picture value of that um, i know you're a big believer in offering multiple ways of yeah. closing that deal whether that be ugly roof i've got this offering or financing have you found that having those other options, like I don't need $40,000 from you today, Mr. Homeowner. What I want to do is make sure that we get this roof to where it needs to be so that everything underneath of it, you can feel safe about. Have you found that having the ugly roof or the financing options has really helped that end, end number of closing a higher percentage of, of leads?
2: Oh yeah. hundred percent. So Everybody calls it uh, good, better, best. We we train it as best, better, good. We start at the top and come down, depending on the situation, right? So, you know, if 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 they're in a situation where they absolutely have to have a roof, right? Like there's just no way around it. Like Mister Mister Jones, can you see this here? Can you see why that that this shingle is lifted? Has anybody ever explained that with that that to you? Once we go through that question set, and they're in agreement already of you know what, you know. I gotta get the roof done. Because once you ask somebody, here here's your pro tip. Once you ask somebody, can you see this? They can't unsee that. Right? So that that's a pro tip when you want to over, over an inspection. So anyway, so but 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 when you're going through that process, we start at the top and come down. Everything in our company, you know, where we're GF, Master Lead, and Presidents Club and all that fun stuff, but we sell the golden pledge 80% of the time. And it's because we start there, like it starts on the phone. It starts at the beginning, but you start at the very top option and come, and come down. Every time that you pitch a price, it's 15000 or as low as one fifty a month. You, you pitch both because at the end of the day, I don't know who I'm sitting in front of. It's just like you said earlier, I'm worried, how am I going to afford this? So, so do I offend you by only offering you 15000 and now it's your only option is to go to the 401k to pull it out? you know, shame on me because you're going to, you know, plus all the money you lose, right? So I, I did a disservice, but I'm saying 15000 or 150 a month. So, yeah, so offering an option is the key to everything, like, because you don't know who you're sitting in front of. Like, they might tell you at the beginning, you know, if you, if you can come in under 400 bucks a month, I'll, I'll do the roof with you, right? But that's kind of some red flags because they might not have a good credit. They might not have this, you know, those types of things, but... Most people are ashamed to say I don't have the fifteen thousand, John, but I really like you, and I really want to go with you. All I've got is twelve thousand. You don't have that nurturing conversation at the end because we have pride. You know we're human beings, so we dig through that pride quickly by just saying fifteen thousand or one fifty a month.
1: Yeah, and if you don't have those options and you, like you said, you have that that roadblock where they're not going to say, you know, John, I, I don't have 15 grand to buy a roof today. Now, now what am I going to do? Yeah. Well, let me talk it over with my wife or um, appreciate it. We'll get back to you. Uh, I still want to get two more estimates or still want to get another estimate. Right. You know, I get one of those objections that – I'm a firm believer those aren't true objections.
2: Well, it's an internal objection. Like, so it's something that you know nothing about, right? It's something that they're struggling with internally, you know, internally, um, emotionally. Like, like, just like we said, it's most of the time when when they, when, it, when they start talking about money, it's because they have a set budget of what they literally have liquid cash that they can spend. Right. So when you can go go in there and go go down the sealed the deals we call it as you get to the end and say, listen, why don't we do this? That you know, true thing at twelve grand, we're at fifteen thousand to to do the golden pledge, you know, why don't we do this at 18 months of no interest and not just on the three thousand, I'll do the entire amount at at the eighteen months of no interest. Take that twelve grand, put it in a CD, make that three thousand dollars on and over the next you know, 18 months, put it in Bitcoin or whatever it is that they're talking about that day, right? Go make money on it. And then this will actually pay, you know, 100% back to you that way. So it's knowing when to mm-hmm. use the right option with with the person based on the information that, that, that they give you. Overcoming objections is not rebuttal. It's presenting new information. That's it. That's it's that yep. simple.
1: It, yeah, because honestly, it's getting to the root of the objection is ultimately your goal as a contractor. And it does it work hundred percent of the time. Absolutely not. But you know, I, I hear all the time contractors saying, if only I had more leads and then I got these marketing guys over here jumping in your inbox saying, well, Hey, I can solve that for you. I can get you 25 new leads a day in your market. And I hear the contractors say, oh, don't they need to leave me alone. And I'm like, well, do you want more leads? Well, yeah, I want more leads. Well, let's get our closing number better on the leads we're running or let's like you said increase our ticket sale like hvac guys that are out there and instead of you know closing at $400 average ticket they're doing 650 or 1000 or 1500 and right. you know maybe they're doing a water purification system that they you know are running at 12 months no interest and the homeowner's like you know what john i've wanted one of those for a long time now i didn't think i had the money to buy one i really appreciate you doing that for me like it really flips the script and so i i love your like philosophy on that of presenting options but asking the right questions to nail down because it doesn't matter what vertical you're in i want to solve your problem and truly by having options i am solving your problem if all i say is well, you can write me a check today, or you can write me a check the day we we're going to start, but you're paying me f- in full for this before we start work. Well, I'm leaving hurdles in front in between us and me solving your problem. So, finding as many ways to like remove those right. barriers, solve their pr- true problem. I, th- I love it. Um, we're kind of running up against time but I do have one question I want to pose to you and this is this is always the toughest question of the interview but we've had a crazy you know 2020 and then first few months in 2021 here uh and a lot of contractors have learned a lot they've started doing things differently is there anything that you um as a person as a business owner have learned and started doing that you wish you would have been doing for a long time, but you can say, you know what, now that I'm doing this, I'm going to continue doing this for the years to come. I don't care if there's pandemic. I don't care what the times are. This thing that I do in my business is going to stay around for a while.
2: So the main thing is going to be training. Um, Training your people is the biggest asset that you could invest in. It's a lot of time. It's a lot of energy, but I would say that when you see training pay off, right? So like when you hire new project managers or salespeople or accounting clerk or whatever it is and you have that position boxed up, ready to go, you hand it to them and then you train them inside of it and you watch them be successful and flourish, I think that would be my my answer with that in business is like I'll continue to train as much as I can my own people. Um, in my personal life, I'm going to say... Um, I don't sleep much anyway, but I used to waste a lot of time in in the. Well, I used to read a lot, so I don't say waste waste time with that. But I, but I used to re read a lot. But now I'm I'm learning to multitask and like read and still go do my hour walk in the morning. You know what I mean? Like like something to help you meditate. Um, I don't think that I'll change that because I think that's been a really big influencer into keeping my mind fresh and focused is just being able to find an audio book and, and go for a walk. And like, if you get lost in it and you don't even know how, how, how long you walked. So that's one of those types of,
1: I, yeah, I love that. You know, investing in yourself, um, making yourself a better person, but then investing in your team and training them. I think, you know, going into a pandemic, like we just saw, like I, I loved moving past it, but I guarantee you the companies that had a good training program and had a team that was well-trained handled that working from a remote setting much better than those companies that didn't really have their team fully trained and, you know, it's kind of just shoot from the hip and, well, we're all in the same office, so if I have a question, I can just ask it, you know, it it probably really opened your eyes to inefficiencies in training when you had to remove too remote. And so the fact that you do train well and you have those processes in place, I'm sure that you did see, you know, a lot of dividends from that. Yes, so. I
2: believe we did. Yeah. I mean, if nothing else, the people was doing well, you know, and, and when you go into to, to this year, right. So, I mean, I don't, I don't measure, I don't measure my sales guys on just numbers, but when you look at our numbers, you know, we're doing pretty well. I mean, we've raised, 10% in closing percentages. We've raised, you know, I mean, our target was 8.3 in sales and we're probably going to do 10 or over 10. You know, we're just we're just on fire with it. And and I attain it all back to the continual constant training. You know, we we train twice a week you know and people like well that's crazy like if they're if they're professionals and they're professional sales you shouldn't you should hire them and let them go like no that's not how it works you know michael jordan tiger woods anybody that you think of that's been at the top of their game you know tiger woods you hit five thousand golf balls a day why he's the best in the game right and you know jordan would would shoot 500 free throws every every day why It's the same thing. So you got to continually train. You got to continually get in there and and practice, practice, practice. And that, you know, once you get that down, now now that you add in a new play, a new play, a new play, a new play, and now your playbook keeps growing. And then your sales guys are able to close, you know, a ton of different objections. If 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 that's your you know end goal is to make sure that they're closing well practice, man, get in there and put the, put the time in the train, the training in there. And if you do, it pays off. That's, that's the main thing is it pays off.
1: I love it. And it it makes a ton of sense, you know, until, until I don't know what the percentage is, but until you're hitting a percentage decently close to a hundred percent on closing, (laughs) you got a lot of practice you can still do, you know, like, you know, Thirty to forty seems to be kind of an industry standard of the guys yep. that are saying, "Yeah, we close decent," or in the thirty to forty percent range. And I love the concept of saying, "Imagine if you were at the fifty to sixty percent mark, and how do I get there?" And it's not just by uh, hitting and hoping; it's you know training and making better, and investing in your team. So. Well,
2: what, what, just like he said a moment ago, too, is I need more more leads. When I go into another company as a client. I start at the contract signing and work my way back. Right. I don't start at the lead generation and work my way forward. I start at the contract. Like when you sign in the contract, what does this look like? Now what did you do right before that? Right before that. And you work your way backwards because that's where you're making money, right? Leads are leads and you're gonna have good leads, bad leads. Like I mean it it happens. But you know, if if you're running your your sales reps out there and you're and they're running eight to ten leads a week you know, seven of them are, are going to be good. Right. And they should be able to close five of those seven. So that's, that's kind of the way that I look at that, you know, so, mm-hmm. but, but, but you got to start at the table back. You can't start at the lead generation and go forward. So.
1: Absolutely. I love it. Well, John, really appreciate you jumping okay. in with with us on talk about it. Um Definitely. I, I I didn't realize we hadn't had you on a talk about it episode yet um but definitely keep us in mind season five talk about it we're going to go big for season five not that we're not going big for season four but really enjoyed having you on and uh look forward to seeing you down the road
2: all right buddy appreciate it mike
1: yeah thanks john
0: Thanks, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of The Contractor's Playbook. Again, shining a spotlight on our Talk About It series, Eating Tacos for a Great Cause. Thanks again to John Bros for jumping in with us this week. Next time, we will be back with our regularly scheduled Contractor's Playbook episodes. So for Michael Gogan and myself, thanks again for tuning in to The Contractor's Playbook.